Have you ever heard the expression, keep in mind? Well, it's a well-known phrase and one that my parents would often use when we were kids. They would say things like, keep in mind what I told you so you don't get into any trouble. Keep in mind that someone is always watching you. Or as my mom liked to say, boy, keep in mind that your sins would always find you out. Now, keep in mind is a is an expression that is meant to give us perspective before we actually say or do something. It is a reminder that before we react, we need to take into account other circumstances or higher principles. Now, in Proverbs, there is only one keep in mind expression that seems to take precedent over all otherwise sayings and maxims that we find in a book. And that is, keep in mind that God is in charge. An expression that we need to sit comfortably with, especially in light of COVID-19. Now, 2020 has undoubtedly been a painful reminder for many of us that we do not hold firmly to the will of our lives as we thought. Now, it's been said that Proverbs is not a book of promises, but of principles. And in general, that's true. But here is one wise saying that feels more like a promise. A man may devise his ways, but ultimately his steps are ordered by the Lord. Proverbs 16, 9. Now, it's interesting to note that only 15 percent of all the Proverbs mention the name Yahweh or Lord. But the greatest concentration of those occur right here in chapter 16, when in just three verses, Solomon mentions the Lord three different times. Verse one, from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. Verse two, motives are weighed by the Lord. And verse three, commit your ways to the Lord. Now, it's clear that in this chapter where Solomon talks about the plans of man, that he also wants to remind us of God's sovereignty. So then that begs the question, how should we then go about planning for our lives if the sovereignty of God takes precedent to determine the success or failures of human plans? Should we even plan for the future? Or should we just go throughout life with a K-Sarah, Sarah sort of mentality? Well, our text this afternoon presents us with both attention and a solution. So let's look at the tension. Verse one says, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. Now, for centuries, theologians have debated what it means for men and women to be made in the image of God. And one aspect of that image uh, is that human beings have minds and wills. Like God, we have intentions and we make plans and we choose certain courses of action. This is what it means by to humans belong the plans of the heart. Now, the word plans could also be translated preparations. It is to make careful arrangements. It's the idea of getting all of your ducks lined up. It is the state of being ready for something when it happens. And the Bible encourages that kind of planning. Planning is often what separates the wise from the foolish. Proverbs thirteen sixteen says that it is wise, the wise who plan ahead, but the foolish doesn't and even brags about it. Proverbs 21, 5 says that those who plan have success. Whereas those who make decisions in haste end up in poverty. 
Scriptures also give us an example of men and women who planned. I mean, just think of Joseph, who planned in preparation for the seven-year famine. Or Noah, who even built an ark even before it rained upon the earth. And then there's Esther, who planned for months before going before the king. Now, look, I believe God wants us to plan. And the first half of this verse asserts that it is the legitimate responsibility of man to plan, to make preparations. So then what does it mean when it says, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue? Well, in short, it means that we can plan, but God has the last word. In other words, the outcome of our planning are decided by his tongue or what he decrees. And scriptures teaches us to never lose sight of this reality, that it is God who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Ephesians 1.11. And this is where the tension mounts, because we plan, but then sometimes God intervenes and everything we plan for all of the time and emotional investment we put into dreaming and developing the blueprints for our lives, it all comes to naught. That happened to me back in 1999. I had got accepted into one of the top liberal arts colleges in Chicago called Columbia. And I went there because I wanted to be a radio DJ. I mean, people would tell me all the time that I had the voice and the personality for it. So my plans was to finish my education there and then go to host my own radio show at a local station. But then the school had decided to embark on an expansion program that would raise student tuition by 70 percent. And there was no way that I could afford to continue my studies there. And initially I was absolutely gutted because I had no idea what I was going to do next. I was left with this feeling of uncertainty, and no one likes uncertainty. It's been said that people prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty, and for me, that is so true. You know, having your plans disrupted and staring at an uncertain future it feels a lot like purgatory, especially when you have no backup plan. But God had one. And eventually he opened the door for me to go to the Moody Bible Institute to get a good theological education that would prepare me for what he was actually calling me to do. It was also there where I met Angela Volker, my beautiful and incredible wife of 15 years. But look, I had to live in that tension for months, that tension of slowly releasing all of my dreams and plans before God as I waited to see. What was next? And in hindsight, that tension was necessary because one, it drew me closer to God. And two, it brought me to the truth of verse two, that all of a person's ways seem pure and right to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. And look, if we're honest, this is part of the reason why we're not comfortable with the idea of God interrupting our plans because we think our plans are the right plans. Everything we do seems innocent to us, which makes it difficult for us to, at times, discern our motives. And motives are tricky things, because we don't always know why we do what we do. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things, 
And so we can fool ourselves into thinking that our reasons are God's reasons. That is, until God reveals them. And this verse tells us that God weighs our motives. The word for motives is the Hebrew word ruah, meaning the spirit. The spirit of the man is weighed by God, and the man's spirit is the heart by which he makes all his decisions. All of our choices may seem right in our own eyes. That is, until God reveals the spirit behind why we do what we're doing, why we're planning what we're planning, even to why we're in the relationships that we're in. And what I've learned and what the Bible clearly teaches is that God will often intervene in our plans and disrupt our plans in order to align our agenda with his. Why? Well, look at verse four, because it is the Lord who works out everything to its own purpose, even the wicked for a day of disaster. In other words, God created all things for himself. We exist for God. So all of our plans and aspirations must align themselves with his sovereign will. Even the wicked who reject his plans and pursue their own agenda cannot escape the all-controlling hand of God who has even made wicked people for his own purpose. Now, look, it's not my intention to veer off into a discourse on the doctrine of superlapsarianism, which is how some Calvinists would interpret verse four. The point I simply want to make is here is that all of our plans must fit perfectly within the framework of God's big picture. So now the question is, well, how do we learn to sit comfortably with this tension of being admonished to plan yet open to the fact that God could interrupt those plans at any moment. Well, look at verse 3, because verse 3 gives us the solution. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. This word commit in Hebrew means to roll over or to surrender, and it is a picture of trust, of turning something over to another for management. It's letting them carry the load. The idea is that of rolling it from yourself, the place of self-trust, onto the Lord so that we are trusting him and resting in his sovereignty. That includes all of our affairs, our pursuits, our dreams, our goals, and our aspirations. We commit or we roll them all onto him. Or as my mentor used to tell me, he would say, Tobias, you hold everything with an open hand. So what that means is that as we're making important decisions in our lives and planning our next moves, look, we don't exclude God from the process. Instead, you allow God to guide your plans. And bringing God into the decision-making process shows a heart that is, verse 5, not proud or haughty and not willing to risk discipline at the expense of our pride. We need to be open to hearing his voice before we make any major decisions. And so now the question is, well, how do we do that? Well, here are a few practical ideas. One, we can always start by praying. Look, this is what Nehemiah did in chapter one of his book when he wanted to go back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. We read that he 
mourned, he fasted, and he even prayed. And he was asking God in so many words, like, Lord, if this is your will, then grant your servant both strength and success. Secondly, we can position ourselves to hear God's voice by turning to Scripture. Now, scriptures will not always tell us exactly what to do or whether or not you should marry this person or accept this job. Instead, the Bible gives us good principles to live by and commandments to obey. For example, the commandment not to murder lets us know that murder is wrong. The commandment not to steal makes it clear that we shouldn't take what is not ours. Or questions like, well, shall I marry an unbeliever? Well, 2 Corinthians 6.14 gives us God-preferred standard. Or should I sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend before marriage? I think Hebrews 13.4 is pretty clear on that issue. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us. Scriptures will inform us that whatever we choose, it shouldn't be in disobedience to God's word, and it shouldn't cause us to commit a sin. Thirdly, we seek out wise counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, some of the biggest decisions in my life have been made with the help of trusted friends and leaders. Men and women whom I have esteemed because of their wisdom and godly counsel. Look, it's always important to have godly and wise people you know you can trust to help lead you and steer you in the right direction. And fourthly, you always want to examine your heart and motives. David said, search me and try me, Lord, and reveal any wicked way in me and lead me in your path. Always cross-examine the why for the decisions and plans that you make because you want the Holy Spirit to expose any ulterior motives that could potentially lead you further from his calling and plans for your life. And lastly, you remember the gospel. You remember that no matter what decision you make, that you stand before God not guilty on the basis of what you believe Christ has done for you on the cross. We don't always get it right. I know I don't. That's why it's so important to know that at the end of the day, our value and worth is not in the decisions that we make, but in knowing that we are in Christ, knowing that we are loved and forgiven, which means that if things don't work out, you don't have to feel shame or beat yourself up about it. And as you're planning, you don't have to be tangled up with anxiety because remember, God is in control of your life and he knows exactly how to get you to where he wants you to be. So as we draw to a close, I want you to keep in mind that as you're making decisions, that God is more interested in how you make those decisions than in you making the right decisions Don't allow yourself to get tangled up in the tension of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Yes, you plan for the future, but commit all your plans to the Lord. Weigh your motives, weigh the motives of your heart, and you seek wise counsel and remember the gospel. And above all, keep in mind that God is in control 
and that his plans may not always be easy, but they will be good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that our lives are in your hand. And Lord, may we always instinctively just learn to pray to you and commit all of our plans to you and trust that you will lead us and that you will guide us and help us to hold our future with an open hand. As we say, Lord, this is what I'm planning to do, but ultimately, God, I'm trusting and believing that you will lead me and that you will guide me. In Jesus' name, amen.